0: This video was brought to you by Imprint. Today, Azerbaijan launches a new attack on Nagoro Karabakh. Rishi Sunak sparks anger over plans to water down green policies, and the US Senate scraps its dress code. From DODR News, this is your daily briefing for Wednesday, the 20th of September. Azerbaijan has launched an attack on the breakaway region of Nagoro Karabakh, describing the action as an anti-terrorist operation. This attack comes after months of rising tensions and warnings that Azerbaijan was preparing to invade the ethnic Armenian controlled territory. For some brief background, Nagoro Karabakh is a mountainous region internationally recognised as being part of Azerbaijan, but largely composing of ethnic Armenians, and is mostly under the control of the self-proclaimed Republic of Artsakh. It's also been at the centre of two wars between Azerbaijan and Armenia since the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991 the first in the early 90s and the second more recently in 2020, lasting 44 days and ending in a victory for Azerbaijan as it took control of the districts around Nagoro Karabakh and parts of the region itself. This latest attack by Azerbaijan began on Tuesday, with Azerbaijani authorities saying that it was in response to the deaths of six people, including four police officers who were killed by a landmine. Attacks have been reported along the line of control and the Breakaway region's capital has reportedly been under intense shelling by the Azerbaijani military. In response, the US, EU, France, Germany and others have condemned Azerbaijan's actions and the UN Secretary General has called for an immediate ceasefire and a return to negotiations. In response to that, Azerbaijan's presidential office said that the operation would continue until the, quote, illegal regime in Nagoro-Karabakh is dissolved, weapons are handed over, and the white flag raised. Now, whether the fighting in Nagoro-Karabakh brings about a new war between Azerbaijan and Armenia remains to be seen. But Armenia's Prime Minister did say that Azerbaijan is effectively carrying out ethnic cleansing in the region and urged Russian peacekeepers and the UN Security Council to take effective action. Now, Russia has traditionally been Armenia's security guarantor in situations like this and played a key role in the ceasefire that ended the 2020 conflict, which saw thousands of Russian peacekeepers deployed to monitor the situation. However, the relationship between Armenia and Russia has deteriorated in recent months, as Armenia became a vocal critic of Russia's failure to keep the peace due to its preoccupation with Ukraine. The Prime Minister even remarked that Armenia can no longer rely on Russia, and invited a handful of US soldiers to Armenia for a training mission earlier this month. Now, pro-Kremlin pundits and analysts in Russian media have been putting the blame on the Armenian Prime Minister for getting too close to the West. With Russia Today's chief editor saying that the Prime Minister is demanding that Russian peacekeepers defend Karabakh. What about NATO? While recording this episode, the news was broken that a ceasefire has been agreed between Azerbaijan and ethnic Armenian authorities in Nagoro-Karabakh under Russian mediation. Now, The terms of this ceasefire reportedly included the complete disarmament and disbandment of Karabakh separatist forces, and talks which would, according to Azerbaijan, include plans for reintegration of the region into Azerbaijan. We have a full video coming out on this topic on the TLDR Global channel soon, so be sure to check that out for the full rundown. Now, there's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us in your podcast app of choice to listen along. UK Prime Minister Richie Sunak is expected to weaken a number of key green policies in a move that has already sparked backlash from across the political spectrum. On Monday night, the BBC reported that Sunak was preparing to deliver a speech in which he'd water down conservative environmental policies, possibly including delaying the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars or delaying the phasing out of gas boilers. Responding to the leak, Cernak said that the UK was still committed to reaching net zero by 2050, but in what he called a more proportionate way. He added that for many years, politicians in governments of all stripes have not been honest about the costs and trade-offs. Instead, they've taken the easy way out, saying that we can have it all. The plans have naturally sparked backlash from the opposition and environmental groups, but also from within Sunak's own Conservative Party. Conservative MP Alok Sharma, who was also the president of the COP26 climate summit, said that the UK has been a leader on climate action, but we cannot rest on our laurels. For any party to resile from this agenda will not help economically or electorally. Conservative MP Simon Clarke, meanwhile, said that it's in our environmental, economic, moral and political interests as Conservatives to make sure that we lead on this issue rather than disown it. And car manufacturer Ford even released a statement condemning the rumoured plans. The Conservatives did narrowly win a recent by-election in West London, partially by galvanising opposition to the expansion of the ultra-low emissions zone. So a number of Conservatives have been calling on Sunak to draw a dividing line between him and Labour on green issues in the hopes that it will help them narrow in the polls. But based on the initial response, it's not clear how effective it's been just yet. Next up, for the first time, Spain is now allowing lawmakers to use three regional languages, Basque, Catalan, and Galician on the floor of the National Parliament's lower house, following a concession made by the Socialist government to Catalan separatists. With the rule change passing, with 176 votes in favour and 169 against, a Socialist deputy from Galicia was the first to speak in his native Galician on Tuesday, before being interrupted by a far-right Vox deputy. Now, in response, the Speaker admonished her, prompting Vox's 33 lawmakers to walk out of the chamber in protest, leaving their translation earphones in the seat of Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, who's currently in New York for the UN General Assembly. Now, the use of regional languages is partially allowed in the Senate too, but it had been previously banned in the Congress of Deputies, the Spanish Parliament's lower house. That was until this August, when Pedro Sánchez's government agreed to changes in the rules in order to secure support from a key Catalan separatist party for the socialist candidate for the parliamentary speaker. Not only that, the Spanish election in July this year resulted in an effective dead heat between the left and right blocs in Parliament, with Catalan separatists in the position of kingmakers. So Pedro Sanchez has been courting them in the hopes he can remain as prime minister without Spain having to go to the polls once again. The leader of the Conservative People's Party, however, is the first in line to try and form a government as they have the largest single party, but they have failed thus far to secure a parliamentary majority. Moving to another legislative body, the U.S. Senate is no longer enforcing its dress code, meaning that lawmakers will no longer have to wear business attire. Senator Chuck Schumer confirmed this change over the weekend, saying that senators are able to choose what they want on the Senate floor, and added that he would continue to wear a suit. This rule change will largely benefit Democratic Senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, who's known to prefer to wear shorts, hoodies, and other casual items, even when meeting with the president or when at press conferences. Before the vote change, he even often voted from the Senate doorway to avoid infringing on the dress code. In response to the rule change, he told reporters that he would use the new privilege sparingly, and wore a short sleeve button-down shirt and shorts to a vote on Monday. The move hasn't gone down as well with others, though, with it prompting anger from Republicans who say that the dress code should be maintained and enforced. Florida Senator Rick Scott, for example, said that the change disrespects the institution, while others called it terrible and said it stinks. However, others were more open to the idea. Republican Senator Josh Hawley wore jeans, boots, and no tie on Monday, while his colleague Lisa Murkowski wore a quarter zip and trainers. And finally, Bhutan has today counted 134 snow leopards in the country's annual survey, an increase of 39.5 percent compared to 2016. These survey results show that the mountainous landlocked country in Asia is now a stronghold for snow leopards, which are listed as vulnerable by the IUCN. And the Worldwide Fund for Nature even called it yet another milestone achievement for Bhutan's conservation journey. And if you want to keep learning, then you should check out Imprint. Just like TLDR, Imprint is all about helping you learn quickly, conveniently, and visually. It's super quick because most of their lessons take less than two minutes to complete, summarizing knowledge from all kinds of topics and using Harvard professors and best-selling authors to teach you key concepts. It's convenient because it's all housed in their easy-to-use mobile app, letting you replace doom scrolling with actual learning. And it's visual because look at it. Their animated explanations help you stay focused, understand concepts quickly, and actually retain what you learn. So, join the millions of users learning with Imprint, including me, I'm taking their multi-day flow course right now. And do that by using the link in the description. Plus, if you use that link, you'll get a 7-day free trial and get 20% off an annual plan when you sign up. And they'll know that you came from us. So, check out Imprint, support our new sponsor, and thanks for watching TLDR.